Hey, everybody. This is Bob Goodwin, and welcome to another episode of Career Club Live. Uh, if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, please make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you're watching or listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, please make sure you subscribe. Uh, episodes are coming out weekly, and we would love to make sure that you don't miss anything. Uh, this week from the Career Club side, we are featuring Next Placement, which is Career Club's answer to outplacement. So if you're an HR executive and you're faced with having to transition employees due to difficult business decisions that you have to make, uh, we would love for you to learn a little bit more about Next Placement, where we're focusing on what's next, not who's out, by taking a more human-centric, empathetic approach to transitioning employees. Uh, with that, I would like to welcome our guest. This is Julie Balke, who will be on with us today. I need to read this because her background is so impressive, I have to read all this stuff. So with over 30 years of experience in career management and human resources, Julie's personally coached hundreds of people, spoken to groups and companies across the country, and is a frequent media topic expert on all things career. Just since the fall of 2021, she's been featured on 116 media outlets, including TV, radio, and print media for her workplace and career expertise. Julie is the founder of the Balky Group, TPG for short. Uh, their newest program is the TPG Career Catalyst, which brings the tools of career management inside organizations who are looking for innovative ways to attract and retain talent. It's also available to individuals who are seeking clarity on the best path from where they are to where they want to be. And with that, a warm welcome and hello to my friend, Julie Balke. Hey, Bob. It is so good to see you, Julie. How are you today? I'm good. We have lots to cover and I'm excited. I'm excited to share lots of good stuff with your with your watchers slash listeners. Oh, no, that's awesome. Now, where do we find you today? Where are you? I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I, yes, where the weather is lovely. This is my third winter here. So I like to say I live a flexible slash nomadic life kind of between Cincinnati and Scottsdale and sometimes points in between. Awesome. Well, it's so it's so nice to have you. And I know that you stay super busy. And given your media schedule, I'm so glad we can be the cherry on top of all <laughs> of that. Your crowning achievement being on Career Club. Exactly. Spotlight. Exactly. Um, now, but we've known each other for a number of years uh, and I, I have enjoyed your book, uh, Don't Pee on Your Shoes, and you know, so many of the things that you've done and where we've in Cincinnati been helping people, but also nationally helping folks find careers that matter to them and, and really find meaning in their work. But since I know you, let's give our audience a little bit of a chance to get to know you better. So as is our tradition, we'd like to ask a few questions to help folks get to know you. So where were you born and raised? Troy, Ohio, a little 25,000-ish population town about 20 minutes north of Dayton, Ohio. Most people say I've been through it because it's a stop on I-75 from Florida up to Michigan and Canada. So it's a cute little town and I had a wonderful upbringing there. And um, But since then, I've lived in a lot of big cities across the country. And as I always tell people, moving around from city to city, a lot of times by myself as a single person early on, mm-hmm. was one of the most meaningful things I did because it really opened my mind up and taught me to be resilient and tenacious and connect with all kinds of people, which I think still serves me well today. No, I think that's a great point. We've I, my poor children have moved seven times, 
And so we finally stopped in Cincinnati a few years ago. But everything that you said, it's very true to see different parts of the country, different you know, opinions and lifestyles and just it's, it's variety is good. And uh, I think that it's made our children very uh, kind of flexible uh, in their adult lives. Um, just very quickly, uh, where'd you go to school? I'm a, uh, I usually say I'm a proud Purdue Boilermaker, but if you follow college basketball, um, I was a very not proud Purdue Boilermaker as they went down in spectacular fashion in the first round to a team that wasn't even supposed to be in the tournament. So uh, I'm just now starting to get my Purdue wear out again. Because, <laughs> as, uh, as USA Today said, they are officially the um, choke masters of the NCAA. But wow. I... But yes, I'm, I'm, I kid. I am. I went to Purdue and absolutely loved it. And, um, you know, uh, my son went there too. And I was just so proud to share that with him. And um, yeah, I absolutely loved it there. That's cool. And then West Lafayette, right? Lovely West Lafayette. Yes. And so uh, did you mentioned your son a little bit about your family? Two boys. Um, one lives in Chicago, that works in the Chicago area and is married. And another son who um, lives and works in the Boston area. And so they're all spread out and um, which I love for them because I think it, I don't know, I'm just I'm very partial to getting different experiences in your lives. And so they're 28 and 30. And um, it's just nice to look at your kids and say, I'm proud of the human beings they've become. Oh, that, I, I empathize with that. That really resonates. Um, and then, because uh, I talked about 30 years of in the HR space and stuff, do you mind just kind of painting a, a little bit of a picture of your career? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was a business major, but what I loved, the, the thing that resonated most with me about our business degree options was the human resources option. So I did that for about 16 years. And those were a lot of my moves around the country. Yeah. And I think in everything that we do, there's a lot of learning and some of it is what I want to do more of, but some of it and equally valuable is what I don't want to do anymore or what I want to do less of. And I could feel the higher up I went in human resources, the less happy I was. Mm. And I realized that there were the things I liked to do were, were required less of me the higher up I got. And I just realized that, you know, what I really loved out of everything was talking to people about their careers. And at that time, when you're in human resources, you know, you're sort of the complaint department. And so yeah. people would come to me with their complaints. And I used to really want to say to them, although it was not appropriate for an HR person to say, I always wanted to say to them, why are you still here if it's so bad? And it really became kind of my, let's just say my lifetime quest, career time quest, which was, why do people stay in jobs they don't like or that are no longer serving them? And when I left there, I went to work in outplacement, as it was called at the time. And it was very different then. I worked for a global career services provider where I got the opportunity to ask people that question. We worked with people who had generally been let go, generally for not for anything bad they did, but just, you know, a, you know, a company and economic change. And so many of those people would say to me, Bob, they would say, yeah, they did me a favor. I, I I was really unhappy. And so then I was allowed to say, why did you stay? And what I learned was fear, lack of confidence, sort of um, our just sort of our human being drawn to the status quo, the comfort level, and sometimes yeah. the devil we know 
is better than no better than no devil at all. But it was also, I don't know what else I do. I don't know what else I'm qualified for. And so they would wait until somebody else made that decision for them. And that's just tough on so many levels. And so I did that for nine years. Then I started my own thing in 2007 with the desire to work with people throughout the career life cycle, not just when they lost their jobs, because we don't make good decisions or our best decisions when we're in those moments of panic. And so that's what inspired me to start my own business in 2007. No, I think that's awesome. And having known you for a number of years and, and actually spoken with people that you have worked with, I know that you have made a huge difference to people because, as you say, oftentimes that decision needs to be made for people. But the blessing, one of the blessings in that is it creates time and space to take a step back, be guided through a process with somebody like you, say, all right, well, let's do a little bit of work here and let's figure out what do you want to do? And then I want to just pick up on another point that you made about and, and also identify what do you not want to do? That's oh. one of my biggest pieces of advice for young people, like because so, they, they don't have the breadth of experience. Right. It's, it's at least the way I say it. It's a test for negatives. At least figure out what you don't like and don't go. Right. Do that. <laughs> you know, it's still right. a little bit like, you know, being a kid and with sports or musical instruments, you have to try stuff. Right. To figure out what you might like. But if you know you don't like something, please don't. Right. Think of it like a funnel. So at the top, here's all the things you could possibly do. And you start to move down that funnel in terms of, well, I know I don't like this. I tried it and I don't like it. I'm not necessarily good at it. But here are the things I want to do more of. And so it's really this career long quest to improve every step that you make. Yeah, I, I love it. And we'll talk about creating that narrative yeah. here in a bit. Um, just super quick, uh, when you're not doing great work helping people and organizations and career management things, uh, what do you like to do for fun? I love to go to concerts. I, I have a younger brother who is a concert fiend, and he and I travel together to go see concerts around the country, rock concerts usually. I love dogs, and I love raising money for organizations that help um animals that are mistreated or abused. Mm. And um, I love the Bengals and I love my Boilermakers and my friends. And so I have a very full life that makes me happy. No, that's fun. And then, um, and we're not going to spend too much time on this, but just kind of quickly, either favorite three concerts that you've been to or who you dying to go see. Mm. So last November, my brother and I met in Vegas and went to see Aerosmith mm -hmm. at their, um, at their residency at the MGM. And it, it might be the last concert they ever do because Steven Tyler got sick after that show and they haven't been on the road since. Oh, What's wow. interesting about that is Aerosmith was also my very first concert I ever went to when I was 16. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say I've seen the Eagles about five or six times and um, ACDC, believe it or not, I saw them in Detroit at Ford Field and they rocked it. And so those are those are the three that those are the three that um, stick stick out the most in my mind. And who do you want to go see? Mm, you know, I would love to see the Talking Heads, but they will not tour again. Um, that's a group I've seen David Byrne live, but I've not seen the old Talking Heads. Um, unfortunately, most of the ones I'd want to see, like Prince, I'm not going to have that opportunity. So when it comes to the ones that are still touring that I'd love to see. Um, it's hard to think of any because generally, if I want to see it, I find a way to go make it happen. 
There you go. Awesome. That's cool. <laughs> All right. So I learned, see, this is the beauty of doing the icebreakers. I learned stuff about you I didn't know, and I've known yeah, you for a long there time. There you go. So today's topic is taking control of your career. And you shared something recently that, that said, according to a March 23rd study by Indeed.com, five of the top seven reasons people leave their jobs can be connected to the need to have some control over their career path, whether that be growth, feeling valued, seeking more of something that matters to them. And I think that's such an interesting statistic. What, just sort of top line, what do you make of that? What is so interesting about that, Bob, is that that has been true for decades. We back in the 80s or 90s, there was a survey done where this organization asked managers what they thought was most important to their people. And then they compared that to the results when they asked the people what was most important to them. There were 10, 10 things and they had to rank them. Managers put salary number one in terms of what they thought their people wanted. And the people put it straight dead center in the pack, either five or six. Mm-hmm. And so that disconnect has um, has existed for a very long time, but it pops up when, as the economy goes through and therefore the job market goes through all these ebbs and flows, yeah. compare 2008 and that horrible recession to now, you know, just basic econ 101, so different just in terms of what people are looking for, what what's available, the unemployment rate. But there are certain things that stay the same, and those are our human needs and wants. We all have a desire to be connected, to know that we matter, Mm -hmm. to know that um, we are a part of something that we care about, and to see a path and a future for ourselves. Yet companies, the way they've been run, and we're starting to see some change, which I think is good, but... I saw it in the, you know, when I first started in the workforce in the 80s, the 90s, you know, the 10, you know, the zeros, the 10s, this, if you think about kind of the the old way of leading, it's top down. It's, I'll tell you what's good for you. I'll tell you when it's time for you to be promoted. I'll tell you when you're ready to move. And what was generally missing from that was any conversation or any input from the individual. The assumption was we all want to be promoted. We all want to be managers. And we've lost that ability to actually connect with people and find out what matters to them and help them create a situation, a process, a path, whatever you want to call it, where they can get what they want out of work instead of just assuming everybody's driven by money, status, title. Sometimes people, when you ask them what they want because they don't know how to articulate what they want, the only thing that they know to talk about is money. But Money is not, it's not a motivator. It can be a dissatisfier. If you know you're underpaid, that's going to be burning. I mean, that's going to be your your issue. But if you are paid fairly, then it's the other things that matter that will determine if you come to an organization and if you stay. And organizations still don't get that. And so it's just, it's fascinating to watch leaders of organizations today try to deal with Gen Z because they're trying to loot, they're trying to use the same management style that presumably worked for the last several decades. And what's interesting is COVID, if you, if you just take that 20, you know, that two and a half, three year period, there are certain people who believe that COVID was 
was an outlier and that it was, but the truth is, what I mean by that is well, the truth is everything that we're seeing right now, all the changes in work and what people expect from work, every one of those changes was coming anyway. Yeah. COVID simply masked it and made it look like it was an aberration. So when your Elon Musk's of the world, your Jamie Dimon's of the world pound their desk and say, everybody back in the office, they are to some extent surprised when people say, yeah, no, thanks. And are willing to move on and go find something else and not to say, yes, sir, anything you say, sir, which is what boomers did. And so it's, it's the whole world, the whole world of work is changing, but what doesn't change is what people want at their core and leaders and organizations are so are so tone deaf when it comes to this and so unwilling to do the work to create the workplaces that people actually want to come and stay in. Yeah. So great, great points. And, you know, one of the ways that, that I describe you're talking about COVID and how that was, you know, catalytic in some ways is, is before COVID, and maybe this is sort of the boomer mentality too, the frame was work. And my life needed to fit into that frame. So I'll travel 70% of the time. I'll do your commute. I'll do whatever you say, right? Because the frame is work. And then with COVID and literally life and death and, you know, just major reset button, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what? I actually like being home with and mm-hmm. having dinner and my you know, daughter coming home from school and me being there. And it's like, but I think the frame actually is my life. And yeah, work yeah, needs to yeah. fit into that. Yeah. And, and, and so some of the points that you're making about, yeah, money is a thing. And I'm not saying that it's not a thing, but to, to your well-made point, it could be a major dissatisfier, but it doesn't cover all the other needs. And no, I think it that's doesn't. The, the, yeah. the as long as they what know if- you what, you'll put up with anything. Right. You know, one, I heard this phrase lately and um, I just love it. Um, we all deserve to have a career that serves our life. And I just, you know, in fact, it's one of my web designers is working on my new website that came up with that in their branding, in their branding outline. I was like, oh, I love that. And it's true. And we all deserve a ha- to have a career that serves our life. Mm, I love it. Instead of the life that serves our career is kind of the, the opposite of that. So, yeah. yeah. And, and so it's this, Interestingly, people, you know, wring their hands and clutch their pearls over Gen Z. But when you look at the number of people that left the workforce for good, in other words, didn't go to something else right away, during COVID, the number was 5.25 million people. Three million of those were boomers. And so we think about, oh, lazy Gen Z. Nope, they're not lazy. In some ways, they work a lot harder than we did, but just differently. And, you know, like in any generation, there's lazy people. And so you look at, so boomers, it's, it's very interesting. Baby boomers said, okay, maybe these people have it right. And so baby boomers were pulled from their four walls of their workspace, which is the only place they've ever lived and started to discover that there was a life outside of work. But what we're seeing now is employers are trying to entice some of them back by offering flexibility, by offering, you know, you design your work, you will pay you this. And some baby boomers are saying, yeah, I'm getting a little bored. I'll come back and do that. Or in some cases they need the money, but 
the, the worker still has the upper hand and employers keep waiting for it to go back the other way. And just demographically speaking, in terms of the number of people in the job market, it's not going to. It's not going so to. You better start creating a workplace that allows people to grow, to, to set a path, to have co- career conversations and stop treating them like they're replaceable. Because, you know, because that that top down, I'm going to tell you what to do because I'm your boss. It's not working anymore. And so you can try all you want, but you're not going to get the results you want that way. You know, essentially, I've never really kind of thought of it, but you just you just made me think of this, which is that they're replaceable, (laughs) which is sort of the resource part, because that's a commodity. Right. What are your resources? So we've got wood and you know, we've got water and we make stuff. And these are the resources and kind of forgetting the human part yeah. of this. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the human part that's kind of more properly coming into focus and maybe less the resource part of it. But I want to make sure that we're, we're kind of get to to focus on the, the thesis behind Career Catalyst. And in thinking of it both from the organization's side of the equation and the workers' side, the professional yeah. side of the equation. So I'll let you pick which route you want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so how this happened is our new program called Career Catalyst that's now available on our website. We're in the process of redoing our website. So, you know, that's fun. That's about as fun as 10 simultaneous root canals, I got to tell you. <laughs> um, but what happened was last summer, I got a call from a company in Michigan who said, we got your name. Our people want to know, they want the tools on how to manage their careers right here inside our company. They like our company, but they want the tools to manage their career. Can you help us with that? Of course, you always say yes, right? So they, so they, we did a webinar in um, July and then we did a workshop 60 days later and um, it was beyond successful. It was, it was like people's heads exploded, like it was stuff they'd never heard before, but it made total sense mm. because the reality is your career. I, I always say it's called your career for a reason. And to think that your boss is your career mommy or your career daddy or your HR department is, is nuts. Um, and so you and so companies are like saying all these people are people are coming to us and say, what's next in my career? And they're like, ah. and I always say, don't outsource that to anybody because first of all, if you expect your boss to figure that out for you, they don't know any, they don't even aren't even managing their own career properly. So why would you give them the, why would you give them the space to manage yours? And so I realized that we needed to have something that brought the careers of smart career, the tools of smart career management to everybody. Hmm. And so I stopped and I spent six months with a coach who helps you helps people create products, online courses and processes. And we developed the the Bauke group, the TBG career catalyst. And what I love about it is whether you are sitting at home, unemployed, trying to figure out your next step, whether you're inside a company and unhappy at the company, but you don't know what else to do, or you're sitting inside your company and you love the company. You're just trying to figure out what your next step is in the company. 